Welcome to another episode of Band Magazine's Have You Heard? God damn it, Josh. <laughs> we'll redo that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I don't know. Leave it in. Who cares? We're human. Muted. We get emails. Muted. Very po- it's all the responses. To People the- emailing Josh at bandthemagazine.com. Yeah. Sorry. I can't mm-hmm. keep up with them. Hey, you know. It's it's tough being at the top. It is, and we've we've learned that very quickly. Yeah. it's only episode two, and we're there now. It's time to just completely. I know. Anyone, if, if anyone wants to book us at a theater to do this live, please let us know. <laughs> um, this episode two of Have You Heard is uh, one of my personal favorite albums that I gave to Josh. Um, it was the Moon in Antarctica by Modest Mouse. Josh, you've never listened to this album before. Nope. I actually really haven't listened to much Modest Mouse. Good. I'm glad I took your virginity. <laughs> um, yeah, I did get a text from Josh while uh, he listened to this, and it's probably my favorite quote. It's wild. This album is wild. I think that's pretty accurate. <laughs> um, I loved it, by the way. Oh, thank um, you. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a trip. Yeah. Uh, I got introduced to Modest Mouse um, because my mom... <laughs> uh, like to buy CDs where she liked one of the songs, but she'd buy the whole album, like at Best Buy or something. Brought to you by Best Buy. And she bought their album, uh, Good News for People Who Love Bad News, which had a float on, which is their biggest hit. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to the whole thing. And then I went on a deep dive and grabbed like every album that I could. This was one of them after my feverish uh, purchase of every Modest Mouse uh, album, EP, whatever. They have um, a pretty expansive discography yeah. too, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with all the, with LP and EP, it's insane. Mm. But yeah, this album was released in 2000, I think June 13th, uh, 2000, if I remember my Wikipedia read uh, correctly. So you were middle school? Middle school, yeah, I would say. So. It, when this album came out, I was in, no, because this is this was pre, this is pre 9-11. This was um because I was like I was in fifth grade and we all remember where we were. So, so yeah, I, was this a, was, this I would have been a freshman in in college. No, high school. Oh, okay, not good. that old. That's why I was shocked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, this must have been like tail end of elementary school into middle wow. school. Wow, you yeah. listened to this record? No, no, I didn't. It came out. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, okay. no, no, no. Okay, guys, wow. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I I wouldn't have understood right. anything that was going on. Okay, okay. I, look, I, I guess I guess the question should be then: When were you introduced to this? What? How old? So, so I must have been. I was in high school. I was. It was probably like sophomore year of high school. So two. That makes sense. I'll, yeah. I'll 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 wait to talk about okay. why I think that makes sense based on what I was listening to at the time and what this album reminds me of in uh-huh. that phase yeah, in high yeah. school. So yeah, sorry. Continue. Uh, a little bit of background on the album. This was Modest Mouse's first major release through uh, an actual label, like a major label. Um, they signed with Epic right before this, and this was the first thing underneath that. Of course, everyone thought like you know they were wondering how it was going to change their sound. Is it going to take like you know, some of that like bombastic, crazy energy that they had on the previous album, which was uh, The Lonesome Crowded West, which was like their breakout album. That If you think this one is like crazy, like that one's way, way more bonkers. It, it, using my word wild again, it is wild that this was a major label release mm-hmm. and that they were still able to pursue whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah what they wanted right. to do. Yeah. 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 Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, it was actually the first project recorded in Calva Studios in Chicago. Ooh, I think I did see that. Yeah. 
Is that still around? Any idea? I have no idea. I've never heard um, of it. it. In the Wikipedia article, it was not highlighted blue. Ooh. So that probably means no, it did not live long enough to see the internet. But uh, this was produced by Brian Deck of the band Red Red Meat, uh, which I have never listened to. But now, based on the name alone, I'm mm-hmm. going to see and hear everything I can about Red Red Meat. Um, but he's also produced projects from Iron and Wine, Fruit Bats, etc. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the middle of recording, Isaac Brock was actually attacked by a group of youths outside a park that was near the studio in Chicago, and it broke his jaw, and he had to have it wired shut for three months in the middle of recording this. So this album took five months to record. Um, When it came out, uh, Stephen Thompson of the AV Club felt that it was their weirdest record yet and saying that it was, like, a very welcomed... A very welcomed, like, reassurance that they're not going to lose what made them special, even though they're with a major label now. He calls out Jeremiah Green's drumming, which, sadly, Jeremiah Green passed away in this past year, in 2022. Mm. Um, I think it was, like, a very well-progressed cancer that when he found it, it was just, like, Mm. way too late. It was very sudden. Has the rest of the band stayed pretty intact Mm -hmm. from the beginning? I think I'm pretty sure that it, because it was just... Isaac Brock, Jeremiah Green, and I forgot the other guy's name. But like, oh, that's right. It's just three core members, yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a note on that after listening to this record. Yeah, well, it's, it's hard to believe it's only yeah only three people. And a lot of that was like from the production of Brian Deck. He found like I think he it was like the first time he ever used Pro Tools hmm. in a recording studio, and he was able to like do a bunch of things that like you know people weren't really doing at the time. It's very. Uh, it's held in high regard like this is one of like the top indie albums on like a lot of different lists um but yeah so that's why i was excited for you to listen to it even though you've never really listened to a modest mouse record before right no and what would you say because they've had a lot of commercial success Mm -hmm. yeah right say so what's like their biggest commercial uh, float on oh, okay did you say that was before this record or no that uh that was that's when i found them through okay. that song and then i listened to their whole album and then i went backwards so i think this was i think float on was probably their fourth album okay and this is their third third yeah I think um three. yeah the one before that lonely crowd of west the one before that was i think this is a long drive for someone with nothing to think about or something like that um which is also an amazing album they're all good even their later stuff like there's only one album that I'm like, meh. Hmm. Uh, you know, I actually, uh, I actually met Isaac Brock in oh. a um, a mall in Atlanta, and he was waiting in line for sushi. And me and my friends kept looking over, and we were like, I don't know, I think that's him. I don't know, it looks like him, but I don't know. Don't go over there, like, don't, because we we've heard that he's like, he doesn't really like talking to fans or people. I mean, like, he's nice about it, but he's just like, he's that talked about like, surprise me, yeah, he's just like, just let me live my life. Um, were they in town for a show? They're in town for a show, and I was there getting um getting a suit for uh, my friend's wedding. So it was me, him, his brother, and it was us three guys that were like. of course like the his fiance at the time like was like okay you guys are basically like being idiots (laughs) like so she just goes over there she like taps him on the shoulder and she says has anyone ever told you you look a lot like isaac brock (laughs) um and he said yeah my mom nice and then we all got pictures with him how was it it, i mean it was it was fine you i mean the picture we'll post the (laughs) We'll post the picture on there, <laughs> but it's fine. I'm wearing a members only jacket. He is very, he dresses like how I dress now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's giving the most half-hearted smile I've ever seen. 
um, and holding his sushi at that point. He, he got it. Uh, <laughs> My guess is he probably doesn't get that a lot. He's not like extremely recognizable. Uh, he's right? he he isn't extremely recognizable, but I think that it's to the point where he knows the type of people that recognize him, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. They're not just fans; Fair. they're like that extra step above, I guess. Which I would say that I am, but uh, yeah. So I did that. that. Yeah, uh, I'll always cherish that picture. The Atlanta Mall food court. Eh? That's that's the closest I'll ever be to Modest Mouse. So as as a first time listen, was it what you were expecting? No. So that's actually why I was bringing up you know comment on, uh, on their commercial success because it's one of those bands that like I think everyone knows the name Modest mm-hmm. Mouse. Mm-hmm. I just really hadn't listened much, but of course knew of them. So going into this, I wasn't expecting it to be the type of record that it is mm-hmm. it reminded this is what i was mentioning gonna mention earlier with the high school comment my, my like first impression was like this is kind of feels like like indies version indie pops version or indie rocks version of pink floyd's dark side of the moon oh, or, yeah, or even yeah. the wall even looking at the themes of the record that i was picking up on i mean it kind of goes with the title too it just seems like it's about life death yeah <laughs> um heaven hell yeah mental illness mm-hmm. like which brought the wall uh, yeah. to mind. But yeah, that was my initial impression. And especially that they get very, it's certainly a concept record. It's, uh, they get very experimental with it. It's a good mix of very, very like listenable songs that could have commercial success off of this, as mm-hmm. well as more experimental, some instrumental songs. I think there was one towards the second half of the album, for example, that was, I mean, going on, I think, five minutes long. Oh, yeah, I noted it's, there was a five-minute-long song. Uh, the Cold Part is yep. the song I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had just as many lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was my first takeaway. It's like a modern version of what we got from Pink Floyd with, with Dark Side and, and mm-hmm. possibly The Wall. People always talk about their lyrics and, and you know, they're like very bleak, nihilistic, like they're very pessimistic. They have mm-hmm. like a like grotesque look at humanity. And, and, and there's a lot like to that. interpret yeah. too with the, with the lyrics. It, it was an interesting one to dive into and in trying to unravel everything he, he's trying to say here. And I was doing just some research on just what other people think. And there's... Yeah, there's a lot of theories out there and there's different ways to uh, interpret the songs, which makes it what yeah, makes it a fun album to explore. Very very uh poetic. I was going to ask, you know, you like generally uh treat like vocals in a band or like from a song or whatever as like an instrument on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh Isaac Brock is not known for having the prettiest voice. Um But the things he can do with it. Yeah, yeah, almost so- like rapping at some Points. Yeah, it's it's, it's weird. It's incredible. Yeah. And the the yeah, thinking about the speed that he's singing mm-hmm. at and then looking at the vocals, it's, yeah. it's it's crazy. One thing that did remind me of their overall style and this is what's kind of funny to look into uh, something that popped in my head immediately it was really more of like the instrumentals and just the music in general. I, 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 Fleet Foxes came to mind and then after looking into it, like oh, Modest Mouse is from Washington. Yeah. Fleet Foxes are as well. Yeah. Um, there's something in the oysters. Yeah, out it has there, to be. <laughs> I think it's surrounded by wilderness. Like, I mm-hmm. don't know. There, there's something about it. I saw Fleet Foxes when I lived in Seattle. I think it was a Paramount Theater. And more similarities, like their percussion section. It's not a drummer. It's, it, I mean, it's a drummer, but it feels more like a full percussion mm-hmm. uh, section, which they also, I got that from this uh, album as well. And just the the layers on layers on layers. Mm-hmm. Is, we mentioned it's a three piece band, which is 
um, pretty crazy when listening to this, which I guess Pink Floyd is too. Yeah. Going back to that three-piece mm-hmm. band, similar. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, you pick up everything from piano, cello, sleigh bells, <laughs> yeah, banjo. I think was in was in one. Yeah, they, oh, they, they like sneaking banjo in there. I gotta talk about this too. This is random, but it made me think of the the, the different instruments. Yeah. Uh, so which song was it? okay? Lives towards oh, yeah, the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you recognize the instrument in there? You don't need to know what it is, but do you recognize it from being used from a different band? Just oh, curious. Make the sound for me. It, 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 it's hard to make the sound. <laughs> it, it's a Chinese instrument. Oh, oh, oh! I know what you're talking about. Yes, I yes. think it's called a pipa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Right away, it reminded me of Incubus. They use. Oh yeah, they yeah. did, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. From Morning View, I forget the name of the song. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay that you forgot the names. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's I. Yeah, they clearly had some fun making this one. Uh, yeah, again, the, the layers on layers on layers. And then, did I read this somewhere too? That he does he sing into his guitar pickups? Sometimes. Is he known for doing that? Because yeah. I think that's on this record. Yeah, too. It's in there. I actually hadn't seen. They're one of my favorite bands. Hadn't ever seen them live until the pandemic. Like I saw them. Mm. Uh, they played the Vic. I want to say like August of 2021. Sir Chloe opened for them. If anyone likes Sir Chloe, look him up. They're great. But yeah, they were they were still just as good, even though you would think like his voice still translates pretty clear, even though he's like, I mean, he's like yelling and yelping and mm-hmm. like all this stuff. You know, I I, I've, I was talking about it with a friend one time and it was like um, Modest Mouse is like like emotional rock for ugly people or something like that. Or it's like it was like it was like, no, wait, ugly rock for pretty people. I can't remember what it was, but it's like a very like I just like bands and my mom always did this, too. My mom's gonna come up a lot in this podcast because she showed me a lot of music. <laughs> she always talked about like I like bands like that aren't afraid to be ugly, and yeah. I feel and I feel like Modest Mouse definitely fa- falls in that category. It even felt some points. I don't know how they recorded this, but I, I got a a lot. It felt almost live a lot of times. Yeah, mm-hmm. throughout the record. Uh, but yeah, that makes sense. I get it. Uh, so you kind of talked about like the things that are like the most surprising about the album to you. Do you think this album is something that you'd like? listen to like can you find an instance where you'd put this on well i know you had recommended <laughs> i think you noted a 16 ounce pbr specifically uh-huh. uh as well as only one hit of a joint i, yeah. I don't know if that's right and i think you might need a little bit more yeah yeah um or you, you should at least start at the very beginning of the record because uh-huh. There is a big shift. So where did I note it? Towards like right after halfway through. Oh, oh, they, oh, they they come roaring back. I mean, it's like very. I don't want to use the word like listenable, but like yeah, indie yeah. rock up until about like track. Uh, I want to say like yes, like six, and then seven, which is uh, called the cold part. Yeah, yeah. Then it gets a little wild for a handful, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a handful uh, of songs, and that's why I say if you take that hit right, <laughs> right at the beginning, it should kick in just in time. Yeah. Uh, uh, for the cold part, um, and then you, yeah, you've got the cold part. Um, that's the one that's five minutes long, just mm-hmm. <laughs> about five or six different lines. Yeah. Then goes to alone down there and i think if i remember right that one he's singing about joint maybe like joining someone in in hell yeah and it's it it almost that one felt like an extension of the cold part Mm -hmm. and then after that the stars are projects i i I love this one oh oh, yeah 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 Um, i think it's a stars are projectors oh yes stars are projectors yes um so yeah and this one (laughs) nine minutes long uh very experimental (laughs) i love the the concept the stars being projectors yeah. is really really cool. The lyrics to this one are, are a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Uh, and 
<laughs> this one, I definitely want to talk about this song. Wild Pack of Family Dogs. Uh, that that is one of my favorite songs they've ever I put out. I knew you were gonna yeah, love yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. And it's such like a it's like everyone should listen to this song just because it's it's so you mentioned all the layers mm-hmm. that go into a lot of these songs and and how they've like all these moods and um there's some like a lot of synth and like i don't know there, there's there's a part where they just strip all of that away for one song and it's just a guitar and like mm-hmm. a wood block yeah and um and then they just talk about a wild pack of family dogs my own dog i think it was like my own dog tried to play with them i think like runs off with yeah, them yeah and like and same then, with the sister yeah and too. then my mother's crying with blood dust now i think is what it is and like there's a lot of like rejoining nature themes in this too. Like I think that's why they talk about death so much. They they, they uh, because like you know you'd be returned to the earth at, at at some point. Again, it's like this really nihilistic, angry view of an idea that's really beautiful, and they hit on that a lot in this record. Mm-hmm. It still feels very very pretty and polished while still being very much rough, and I and I like it a lot. I had to look this one up because I was just so curious about what he was was talking about and as we mentioned the um lyrics throughout this are very poetic so sometimes it can be a little challenging Mm -hmm. to really unpack it so what i found uh just looking it up i don't know if this is right but someone online was saying that this is this song is about uh mental illness specifically and here i'll just quote what i pulled Um, uh, The mention of an unstructured wild pack of family dogs alludes to the hereditary factor of most mental illnesses and how families plagued with them tend to not really be families at all, just uncivilized uh, havoc. God damn. (laughs) That's, yeah. I mean, hey, been there, am I right? (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. Oh, and spoiler, we are toying with the idea of a future segment featuring some of our favorite songs that are two minutes or less. Uh, yeah. And I had to to star <laughs> this, this this one. Yeah, this one would have made because it is under two. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love I love Wild Pack of Family Dogs. I think like right before then is Paper Thin Walls, which is a very like that's where it picks back up. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I was talking about. Like the the album has you know some of quote unquote radio friendly indie uh-huh. rock up until about yes track seven, the cold part, and then for the next few handful of songs, it definitely gets more experimental, uh, more instrumental, mm-hmm. and then when we hit Paper Thin Walls. It's kind of like back yeah. to the earlier parts of oh, the yeah. album. The the crashing cymbals, the like there's a really catchy chorus in there. Like it's it's really nice. I just love how fucking all over the place this album goes. But oh, I love it. Um, but it's all over the place, but all but, but all in one world. Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's really good. Cause like, I mean, they also have one of my favorite songs on there is uh, Tiny Cities Made of Ashes. I wanted to talk about that one. <laughs> All right, well, why is it your favorite song? I love how, I love the transition from it because it goes from songs that are really like ethereal, very like atmospheric mm-hmm. a- at the beginning. Cause like off the heels of like gravity rides everything and like all this other stuff. And then they come in with just this, like you're coming back down to earth. It really feels like you're in a car all of a sudden you're like, Mm -hmm. you're like around civilization, industrial things. You think of a city completely burned to ash, but like, and it's also that baseline that doom, 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 Mm -hmm. doom. Okay, can we talk about that? For- I, I would love to. Okay. Yeah. Well, not it's part of that. It's not necessarily the baseline, but yeah, yeah. Um, the first thing I thought of was the Sopranos intro. With yeah, the yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I never actually looked up who that is. It's Alabama Three, which is a, a British band. If you had said Modest Mouse, I would have 
fucking shit myself. <laughs> I, but I, had to, I had to look it up immediately because like that was a, yeah the first thing I thought of is very very similar. If you uh, yeah if you listen to this song you'll 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 immediately get the the connection there. Uh, one interesting thing too that this might be the the biggest deep dive I've done on meanings of individual songs just because I felt like it was so important for this for this record mm-hmm. um, throughout. And so yeah, this one I had notes. So you mentioned the yeah the line. Well, it's the title of the song, "Tiny City Made of Ashes." Mm-hmm. Uh, some think it could be a reference to like a cemetery. Yeah. Um, they think the song is about discussing or in contemplating death or maybe even suicide is and that's what i mentioned in the beginning this this whole record there's yeah there is um some consistent themes throughout life death a lot of suicide um heaven hell mental Mm. illness all those things i mentioned earlier it's yeah there's double meaning to a lot of what you hear throughout and yeah it makes it really interesting and again like i just kept on wanting to learn more and get everyone's interpretation of each individual song and you could just you could really like you could really spiral on this and trying to to unpack everything that's in here. I just love that it kicks off. I mean, the whole album kicks off a third planet and third planet is, is one of my favorite songs. I loved, love third. Planet. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you look, I mean, I'm sure you looked at the lyrics, but it, it was like, when you mentioned poetic, it starts off very poetic. I mean, like that's, that's one of the most poetic songs I've ever heard. And for some reason it feels like the emotion that it's, I don't know. It, it just really feels like you're falling in love with somebody. Well, in this one I saw, there was actually a lot of debate about, online about what it what means. it means yeah i saw like m- possibly like miscarriage or mm-hmm. abortion one or yeah. the other uh, i don't know if it's based on experience of the singer or someone mm-hmm. in the band but yeah. that seemed to be the most common yep um uh, interpretation but it, it, there seems there seems to be an ongoing debate about yeah. what the song's really about i mean there there's like i'll just say the chorus it's uh your heart felt good it was dripping in pitch and made of wood and your hands and knees Felt cold and wet on the grass beneath. Uh, well, outside, naked, shivering, looking blue from the cold sunlight that's reflected off the moon. Baby, come angels fly around you. And that's C U M. Reminding you, the we spelling used to be changes three. the second yeah. time he says it. Too. It does. Did you notice that? No. Yeah. I mean, that's, he says that line again later in the song. And it, I it think changes that, that must I mean. be why they would say that it could be. Well, what was the line? The blue body shivering. What was that? Uh, outside naked, shivering, looking blue. I mean, that could be the the baby. It could be the baby, but there's like, come angels. Is in, like, I know that's weird, but like, come <laughs> angels is in like I have came now, yeah. and then and then it can also be, but it come c o m e. I don't know. Those could be actual angels of a baby. Now. Yeah, it's like it's like, but he ends it with reminding me we used to be three and not just two. Right. Um. So that's probably where the like yeah. I can see definitely that like the the abortion coming in or like uh, losing a baby or a miscarriage mm-hmm. and then um yeah and that's how the world began and that's how the world will end it is how the ending of the chorus like that's what just like I think you know immediately what record you're getting into yeah and I have noted like those next couple songs the beginning of this record really seems to lean into you know the themes we were talking about earlier this the first three songs. Mm-hmm. Are, it just seems about life in general, life yeah. and death. There seem to be the themes. Because next up is Gravity Rides Everything, and that certainly just seems, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the title kind of suggests. Uh-huh. It, it, if I remember right, this one is more like everything falls into place. There's nothing re- you can really yeah. do about it. You just kind of right. need to accept it. Mm-hmm. I also really liked Dark Center of the Universe. That one stood out as a favorite for me. It was just kind of a mm-hmm. that, that one's really song. good. Yeah. One. Um, again, like I mean, this has some of my favorite songs ever made. Would you add this to your collection? Oh, hundred uh, percent. I loved it. Which, which uh, I have written down. Like, if you could rate it, like, would you do CD, tape, 
vinyl or digital download? <laughs> um, I'd have to do vinyl. That's, yeah. yeah, I would say that for any record, but which I'm curious. So this came out. We said in 2000. Mm-hmm. Did they? Do you know? Do you have it on? They, I have it on vinyl. Yeah, and they and they they released it on vinyl. I mean, you can find ones from that time, and it's very okay. it's expensive. But yeah, I can't. It comes on like four LPs. It's a it's a beast, but it's really good. Uh, yeah, I'm go- I'm going to buy it. Really glad oh, you really? introduced this okay, to awesome. me. I yeah, I immediately loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've listened I listened to it a couple times um after, you know, we added this to 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 the list. Um, Isaac Brock, message Josh to get my address so you can send me whatever residuals you get from one <laughs> one sale of an album. They actually have their own record label. It's called Glacial Pace. Oh, um, so they're not records. with it was with Epic when they that, released That was with this? Epic when they released that. Okay. Um I think now they're on their own label called Glacial Pace and someone asked about the name one time and they were like uh, cuz they were like when's your next album going to come out? And he's like, "Do you not realize what our record label is called?" <laughs> like like he was like we are producing one at a glacial pace so like um yeah that's awesome i'm, I'm very happy that I, you know, you're gonna I, get it yeah um, i i loved it and you know we've already talked about this in the first episode and you, if you ask me my my perfect record I, I prefer like on the shorter side but um this one that is not the case mm-hmm. uh we're was it 58 minutes yeah, 15 tracks. I wrote it down. 58 minutes and 45 seconds. Mm. Yeah, but no, it's it, it takes you for a ride. It's very emotional. I do think there are many situations that you could listen to it in, though. But, you know, mentioning it really kicks off with some great indie rock songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, But then it, it does get a little weird. Maybe maybe you do want to hit that joint in the beginning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I think it uh, it can be appropriate for a lot of different yeah situations it's always kind of listenable but yeah it's it's very like i'll put it on the background when i'm doing something but i'll also like sometimes listen to it very intentionally like Mm -hmm. you know laying on the couch or you know just on the fucking ground i'll just lay and like listen to it and it's 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 so great i don't know if you're gonna mention this but i'll spoil it sorry i had to look up the pitchfork oh no no wait i have it right here hold on hold on I know you already know what it is. <laughs> sorry, but but I was gonna I, it, say like, it popped up and you just like looking into the album, so I'm sorry I ruined it. Oh, I yeah, can't yeah. guess. I well, know so, what it so, is. So so tell tell us what it is. Yeah, pitchwork pork, pitch pork, <laughs> pitch pork, uh, pitchfork review of nine point eight. Nine point eight, and it didn't get best new music. It didn't get any of the accolades. It was only. I mean, I don't know if they even had that in 2000, but still, it's just like a black 9.8. Like, that means nothing. <laughs> they did. Well, f- for Pitchfork, it did. They named it as part of, part of their top 20 albums of 2000, and it ranked number three. Damn. I don't know who's two and one. Sorry. I should uh, uh, well, no. So, um, I think uh, it's... Oh, I can't remember. I, I just remember... Okay, so I wrote down... I skimmed the the Pitchfork article and found what I think is probably the most Pitchforky line. Oh, I, I read it. There's some Pitchforky yeah, lines. There's some yeah, Pitchforky... I mean, I chose the ending one because like, I wanted to see if anything... like I, I wanted to see if we could write for Pitchfork, basically, <laughs> and, and to see if like any of the themes that we caught up on or anything like that you know, made it in here. So this is your first time listening. Um, and this is the most pitchforky line that ends the article, basically. An intoxicating mix of uncertainty and confidence. The moon in Antarctica constructs hollow approximations of heaven, hell, and deep space, most of which exists vividly in Isaac Brock's questioning mind. OK Computer must be mentioned. Of course it. Thanks, Pitchfork. Radiohead's <laughs> another thing I have. I want to have someone come on this. Help me get into Radiohead. I you, really like you ready get- for this? I just pulled up the list. Oh, did you? Do you want number one is? Is it okay, computer? Or is it Kid A? Kid A. Of course it's number Kid one. A. 
fucking kid my ass. Um, I'm just kidding. I, 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 I want to like Radiohead. I want to like Radiohead so I, badly. I, I do. Yeah, I feel like that was definitely high school uh, when they're at their height, and I always felt like I had to be into them to be yeah. part of the cool kids. And I did like them, but I, I, it, I think a lot of it was forcing it on myself. Uh, yeah, we'll get someone on to talk. Uh, no, I, I want to because like the only ones that I was like the only ones that I could force myself to like are like. Karma Police or mm-hmm. like High and Dry, which might be off the same album. I don't even know. Uh, yeah. So it said, oh, OK, Computer must be mentioned for Modest Mouse just got invited to the same club. I At first I was like, oh, so it's like they're included. But like, I think they're also saying like, you wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for radio. Mm. And I'm like, whether that's true or not, I would uh, convince me. Again, I'm open to so much. Please just <laughs> let me listen to Radiohead and, and tell me why I need to like it. But yeah, that was it. That's that's one of my favorite albums. Um it was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, one more thing. Oh, too. oh I, yeah, I, yeah. Please. Um, I please saw do. this too. Do you know where the uh, album name comes from? No. Uh, from Blade Runner. Oh man, I should. Some some people that I know are going to be really mad that I didn't know that. But yeah. I mean, I I had to look it up, but you don't know these people, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently, there's a scene and forgive me. Now, now everyone's going to hate me. I think I've seen Blade Runner once. I've only seen it one time, and it was a long like yeah, I. It was a long yeah, time ago. It's basically like I haven't seen it. I'm sorry, um, but apparently, there's a scene. Uh, someone reading a newspaper, and there's a line about. It's not this exact title, Moon Antarct- Antarctica, but it's part of the newspaper headline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because it's in the future, obviously, like we're like harvesting there. I, I should have more. No, facts I mean, no, I no, no. I mean, I, I, I want to say that what, again, I watched Blade Runner when I was very young, um, but I do remember that there are uh, the, you know, I'm sure there's grappling with like robotics and humanity and like, you know, becoming what really makes a human a human. How fast does the blade run? Um, is it the fastest blade we've ever seen run? Um, I think it clocked in at like 35 miles per hour, which I've never seen a blade go that fast. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I but found it. Oh, okay, good. All right. Thanks. <laughs> I was for... just going to keep talking about it. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, this is according to Wikipedia. The album's title is taken from the opening scene of the 1982 film Blade Runner, where the main character reads a newspaper headline. I was close. I think I said harvesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Farming the oceans, the moon, and Antarctica. Uh, yeah, we're probably doing that soon. At least the moon, because mm-hmm. we've already done all the other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just love. Uh, actually, that's really cool because it's like, what can you really harvest from like a cold rock in space or the coldest part of the Earth or like it's all very. Yeah, I mean, I, the album feels cold. Like the 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 yeah. al- the album is mm-hmm. very, but not cold in like a stale way, which I really like. It's like cold is in like. I don't know. They're they. It's so lush and full, and so many of the songs, but you still feel this like frigidity and like you know. I mean, it's great. It's great. Um, for fans of Blade Runner, this is probably pretty good. I, I'd yeah. say you'd really like it. All my friends who would l- l- definitely love Blade Runner also love this album, and they never told me <laughs> that it had anything to do with one another, and I blame them for my ignorance. Well, now you know. Now I know. Yeah, but yeah, thanks for the suggestion. This Dang. was. A great Anytime. one. I'll be adding it to my catalog, hopefully very, very Boom. We should start cataloging soon. how much money we end up spending because of this podcast yeah. and it getting introduced to new music. It's all a worthwhile investment. Definitely. <laughs> I I definitely have the income to just... <laughs> I'm definitely not spending it on other things like toys and no. games and movies and now music. Doesn't matter. Nope. Okay. All right. Well, I think 
I think that's all I got. I that's think we a, covered all. Hey, that's all I got too. Um, uh, I know that a, a few people may not have uh, listened to Modest Mouse before, and I say that you should. You should and you it. should start with this album if you think that they're only about float on. Um, they are, are not. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode two. I'm, we're probably going to stop saying the episode numbers so we don't have mm-hmm. to uh, put them in order. You can also cut this out. <laughs> um, but yeah. Be back next week, and I'm yeah. up next. Yeah, I yeah. am. Josh is going to bring something good for me. Actually, we'll just go and say it. it's Jade Bird, right? Yep. Okay. I can't wait to listen and tell you what I what, what I think. And yeah, again, as always, if there's something you want us to listen to, you can let us know. You can let us know what you thought of this podcast, if you learned anything good, or if you have any other comments, questions, feedback, email us. Jo- email Josh, does, Josh does read them. I do. Yeah, my wife emailed us yesterday. I won't repeat what it said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. She loved it. She said, like, "Loves the podcast." She said, "I'm so proud of you, sweetie." Yep. Very supportive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah. Oh, and that email, Josh at bandthemagazine.com. All right. All right. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Have You Heard? Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes available wherever you get your podcasts. Have You Heard is a band magazine podcast and produced by Andreas Aristides and me, Josh Druding. Music courtesy of Mutual Disrespect. For more music news, visit bandthemagazine.com or follow us at bandthemagazine on social media.